Hey, do you like weird movies? You do? Have you heard of Vinegar Syndrome? Find them online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. They've got a simple three-step process that I call the three R's. Recover, restore, and release. Vinegar Syndrome has an amazingly large film archive consisting of thousands of 35 and 16 millimeter negatives and prints and are actively finding films that are underappreciated, undervalued, and underseen. So many of their releases have never seen the light of day since VHS, and they're restoring them to all their glory. Some of these films do not have the right to look as good as they do, but they do. I'm looking at you, corpse grinders. Vinegar Syndrome has their own method of restoration where their goal is to recreate the theatrical experience as best as they can. With their own in-house lab, they scan, color grade, and restore each title personally. You'll never see any grain reduction and digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome is a very exciting label, and we're proud to have them as a sponsor. They've been with us since the beginning, and we love them for it. Check out their website today and grab yourself a copy of Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song, Body Melt, Wonder Woman, Ice Cream Man, Christmas Evil, Dolomite, or my favorite, the Wisconsin Blood Trilogy of Blood Beef, Blood Hook, and the upcoming Blood Harvest. Once again, be sure to visit them at www.vinegarsyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Let them know your good friend Michael sent you. Today's episode is also sponsored by Geopetric. Geopetric loves your pet. Their goal is to provide quality, first, eco-friendly pet products. They offer stylish apparel to represent the connection you and your pet have. Geopetric is embedded with the conscientious consumer in mind. That's why their gear is made in America, providing fair wage employment using eco-friendly material, including recycled bottles and vegan cork leather. Geopetric is also extremely charitable. They continue to partner with animal rescue and adoption programs across the globe to support their fundraising efforts with donations. When you shop, you save. Shelter animals across the globe appreciate the kindness and compassion of their shoppers. Another cool thing about Geopetric, they allow you to pup cycle your old gear. Do you have old collars and leashes sitting around? Don't throw that stuff away. Send it to your pals at Geopetric to get an amazing discount on your next purchase. Get it? Pup cycle? Yeah, you got it. You can visit Geopetric on their website at www.geopetric.com. That's G-E-O. P-E-T-R-I-C dot com. Geopetric. If you use the special promo code DOGENSTEIN20, you'll receive 20% off your next order. DOGENSTEIN, of course, being the Instagram name that we use for our dogs here at the Shameless Picture Show. Uh, my dogs, Ralphie and Frankenstein. You can find them on Instagram under the name DOGENSTEIN. So, once again, that's D-O-G-E-N-S-T-E-I-N-20, all one word, to get your special 20% off. So, once again, visit them at www.geopetric.com and find some cool stuff. Warning! 
This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Byers, and today we're doing a bonus episode, I guess. Um, Or maybe it's not a bonus episode, we'll see. Um, In case some of you are wondering what the distinct definition is between a bonus episode and a non-bonus episode, it realistically comes down to where it falls in the week. If we already have an episode in the can... And I've got some stuff to review. It's a bonus episode. If we have fallen behind on recording, like we have currently, uh, it's a it's going to be a regular episode. Um, all jokes aside, me and Nick have, have fallen behind just a little bit, as some of you know. Nickel uh, Nicholas Nicholas. So Nick is the station manager for MCTV in Maryland, which we do play on, which is kind of cool, and he's had a lot going on, because not only does he manage the station, but he films a lot of the shows, he's on a couple of them, he edits them, and not only that, but he edits the video version of this show. You'd think it would make more sense for us to have one to have one person edit all of it and export the audio. No, we don't like doing it that way. He edits that show specifically for the viewing pleasure, um, and I edit this for, you know... Your sonic pleasure, I guess. Um, so he's falling a little behind. Uh, we were, we are still going to be doing George A. Romero's, uh, I personally think, uh, forgotten masterpiece, Night Riders. Uh, it's just not going to be at the moment, unfortunately. Um, I'm hoping that'll be our next episode. If not, I got some stuff planned that I can do with Amanda, and he's still got a bonus episode he's wanting to record. So if we get something up, by release date, this will be a bonus episode. If not, it's just an episode. Uh, one quick note, I will say, uh, I've got a bad habit of, I get a, I've got a large stack of Vinegar Syndrome movies right here in front of me that I'm going to be talking about as part of our sponsorship with them, and I've been watching them steadily over the last month. Issue with that is, um, I sometimes forget what. I'm not. It's not that I forget the movie. I just don't remember all the finer points I was going to talk about. So what I might start doing, and I guess I'd like some of your opinions, I might start doing more frequent bonus episodes that are just going to be shorter. Because that was my whole intention. Is like I didn't like the idea of doing a bonus episode and it's like five minutes or whatever. And I'm sure they'd be a little bit longer than that. And if I perhaps record an episode the mo- like right after I've seen the movie and it's really fresh, maybe I'll have more to talk about. But I'm thinking about potentially just releasing more bonus episodes where I talk about fewer releases, but uh, hopefully then my turnaround time will be faster on them because I've got one, two, three, four. I got five movies right here that I've watched over the last month, maybe month and a half. And like um, Splatter University and Bloody New Year are two of the first ones I watched. I don't remember which ones I watched first. Uh, it were two of the first ones I watched, and I remember them. Uh, I just don't know if I've got as much to say as I did when, I, when they first came out, but. You know, so let me know what you think about that. If you if you if you'd like me to do more frequent reviews, that I can definitely do that. I'd love to do that. Um, the only time I feel like it'll be interesting to see how it works is like for Mill Creek, they send me a lot of um, compilations. 
So maybe it might be, for compilations, it might be better just to record it right away and then save it for, you know, when they do come. I don't know. I'm I'm still working it out. Um, I just know um, it seems to be the the these episodes where I discuss releases seem to be pretty darn popular. So I like to try. I like to do them. It makes the sponsors happy and it gives me an excuse to watch some really weird shit. So. If you have a preference one way or another, please reach out. Please reach out. Um, also, a little more um, housekeeping. As as you all know, those are the dogs walking around. Um, I I'm gonna I'm gonna keep to my word. On the next official episode of the Shameless Picture Show, official being me and Nick, I will read some of the reviews we have gotten through iTunes. I didn't lie. I'm going to do that. So if you'd like to hear your review, either good or bad, right on air. Write something. So, let me get let me get going. Let's see how I want to structure these reviews, because um, I don't really know in which order I want to talk about any of these. But maybe I will try something different, and I will go in order of theatrical release date. That might be fun. Yeah, we're gonna do it that way. Yeah, but that's blowing out the mic. <clears throat> All right. So first up, from 1984. Sorry. First up, from 1984, we have Splatter University. Let me take a sip of coffee. Sip of coffee for the working man. <sighs> Tasty. Collectivo blend. Uh, they're doing a. They're doing currently a. Hi, Ralphie. They're doing a um, a tribute to female coffee makers, and me and my wife Amanda have been buying a lot of the the female produced coffee, and let me tell you, it's some good good stuff. So, anyways, Splatter University. <clears throat> Years ago, a madman escaped from an asylum, slashing his way through to freedom and continuing his bloody rampage at nearby Saint Tr- Saint Trinian's College. Now. Years later, new teacher Julie Parker begins to sense that something isn't quite right at the small town college, and it's not long before her students and fellow faculty members begin disappearing or, worse yet, are found brutally butchered. Determined to uncover the truth behind the ongoing violence, Julie begins her own investigation, unaware that she's putting herself at risk of becoming the ruthless murderer's next target. A classic of no-budget horror filmmaking, Richard W. Haynes' Splatter University is a trashy and consciously absurd 80s slasher that revels in the best and worst tropes of the genre. Sporting bloody kills, absurd twists, and a face-smacking finale, Vinegar Syndrome presents Splatter University in its North American Blu-ray debut, sporting a brand new and first-ever restoration from its original 16mm camera negative. So the film is from 1984, 78 minutes in color, in 1851 widescreen, which I like. It's got a DTS mono um, soundtrack. I think it's only 48 kilohertz, but still, you know, that's not too bad. First, you were frightened by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Then you were terrorized by Halloween. And now... Prepare to be pulverized, traumatized, and hospitalized by Splatter U. 
more horrifying than you could possibly imagine. Unlike anything you've ever seen. And more. Hey guys, let's party! Splatter University. Where the school colors are blood red, and not only classes are cut. Han? If you think you're funny, you're not! At Splatter U, everyone parties and has a ball. <laughs> At Splatter U, it's not whether you pass or fail, but whether you live. <laughs> or die. And when you gotta go, you gotta go. <gasps> yes, at Splatter U, the only requirement is survival. Splatter U. It's the only education you'll ever need. Enroll now at a theater near you and earn a higher degree in blood-dripping terror. <laughs> Splatter U. So Splatter, I'm a sucker for slasher films. Um, I actually uh, consider myself to be part of the, the Elric Kane school of thought. Elric, Elric, sorry, Elric Kane from from Shockwaves, formerly Killer POV, and the Pure Cinema podcast. Where even a bad slasher film is a good slasher film. Like it's even when it's bad, it's fun. Um, and this is not my favorite slasher film. That being said, I still really enjoyed it. Splatter University is directed by Richard Haynes, it was, uh, who some of you will best know um, as being co-director on Class of Newcomb High, along with Lloyd Kaufman. And the film was distributed by Troma. And the film is kind of weird, actually. Let me pull up my notes real quick, because I, I took notes simultaneously. Well, I took notes while watching the film. And... Um, well, first off, I need to talk about the, the, there's a, there's a great sense of humor in the film. Um, does it always work? Is the the big question because the film apparently, apparently there was there was a lot of reshoots in this film. Uh, the original version of this film was not was shot in the early '80s, and it was only about maybe like 16 minutes. Sorry, not 16 minutes, 60 minutes of film which is not very long at all for uh, a feature-length film. So they're like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? So they went back in and shot 13 additional minutes of movie. And from what I've come to understand is Haynes' original version of the film was trying to be a more legitimate whodunit film. But when they came back to shoot it, uh, they added a bunch of the comedy aspects, kind of like the Animal House-type bits in the film like all the wisecracking teenagers, they added the the mental hospital scene, which is funny because that uh, because of ho- the movies like Halloween, Halloween. Sorry, I got a slight speech impediment, so I have to make sure I enunciate enunciate that. Halloween. Um, there is there's you know because of that movie, there's the mental hospital escape scene and whatnot, uh, which apparently was not in the original version. And for better or for worse, it's a very mixed bag of tone. However, what there's a, there is a I any movie that's got a scene in a drive-in or a theater gets an extra half star just out of principle. 
out of me um because i i think they're visually it's visually great i'm a film nerd and i just i've always wanted to shoot in a well i have shot in a theater i have my movie from the darkness theater took place in exclusively at a theater but i've always wanted to shoot at a drive-in and um you know i've got i had some music video planned for it but you know for uh for some bands but that's beyond the point so this movie gets an extra half star because it's got a movie theater but there's uh there's a murder spoiler there's a murder that takes place at the movie not sorry at the drive-in movie theater and uh there's a great dialogue exchange between some characters heard you were at the drive-in last night yeah be seen huh yeah chick was a bitch she wouldn't give it up shit i missed everything anyway she won't go back to that drive-in anymore what are you gonna do? Find another driving? Yeah, find another girlfriend. I like the movies they play. I don't. It's it's stupid. It made, but it really made me laugh. Um, so yeah, it's a weird mixture of tone. Uh, the padding of the runtime is, I personally think, kind of apparent. Like, yes, I like when I first watched the movie, I was like, oh, they're obviously padding for time. But as soon as I, so it wasn't that apparent. But as soon as I learned that that was something they did, that they had to pad the time, I was like, oh, okay, I can see that. Um, so the film is a little rough around the edges, but I think it's fun. I think it'd be a great party movie. Movie I'd bring people over to watch with me, especially if they want to see something weird, goofy that we don't really have to take seriously. Um, it feels kind of like a pre-trauma film because it's got some of that trauma humor that we all know and love, uh, but not fully executed. Um, which you know is interesting. Um, I don't know if I necessarily think that's a good thing or a bad thing, but, um, yeah, so Splatter of University just feels very much like a, a proto-trauma movie. I don't personally think it's as good as something like Graduation Day, which I know I am in the minority for liking as much as I do. Graduation Day, was, which was actually made prior to this film, which was distributed by a trauma, I think is, is treated in a, a, a far more serious fashion so you know that's just my personal opinion uh i think i think graduation something like graduation day might be a better made film but this one actually might be a little more fun um a couple things i like about it i think i love a movie that doesn't use um um big name actors in it um because i think it, it adds an authenticity to the film so like um the performances aren't great, but I, I personally find myself really enamored with the performance of uh, Forbes Riley. He play who plays Julia Parker. Sorry, Julie Parker. She's the lead character. She's so goddamn charming in this movie that it's impossible not to like her. She's just got this weird infectious smile, and uh, she seems so legitimate, even when her like actual line delivery may not always be the best. Um, I think she's definitely. Uh, definitely someone to watch. I spoke with Father Perkins about what happened this afternoon, and I am afraid I have to agree with him. Well, I don't see what you're objecting to, Father. All I tried to do is to give the students an opportunity to discuss current issues, aside from the required readings, so that I could somehow tie it in with the material you gave me to teach with. What you apparently don't understand, Miss Parker, is that our curriculum has been carefully developed and tested over a period of years, and found successful. Well, there is room for improvement in any system. Granted. Now, I'm personally not adverse to the introduction of new materials or methods, but you'll have to discuss them with me first. Do we understand each other? Yes. Are you having any disciplinary problems with some of your students? No, not really. It's too early to tell. 
Well, if you do, I'd appreciate it if you'd let me know. There are several whose conduct I find highly objectionable. Really? Yeah. What do they do? Never mind. Uh, look, Miss Parker, I don't want you to feel that you've been singled out because you're new here. Now, obviously, I wasn't present during the incident, so perhaps I've been too harsh on you. Now, if you're having any problems or misunderstandings with anyone, please just stop and see me. I mean, that's what I'm here for. Oh, 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 I'm sorry, Father. I, I didn't mean to stare. There's nothing to be concerned about, my dear. It's just a muscle span. Have a good evening, Miss Parker. Also playing into that very unusual charm that you get from the characters is also the setting. Um, it looks like it's shot in upstate New York. They do have a pan like a, a a panning shot at the beginning of what looks to be um, Brooklyn, maybe Manhattan. I don't know New York very well, so someone out there is probably going to correct me. I if I had to guess, I'd say Brooklyn. I that's it's one of the bureau uh, boroughs I spent some time in, so um, it, that's what it looked like to me. But I'm sure I'm wrong. But since they shot some of it in upstate New York, um, uh, apparently it's shot at Mercy College. I don't quite know where that's located at, but if that helps anyone out there listening, um, I don't know. Just the I like the I like the exteriors quite a lot in the movie. The the interiors are whatever. It's you know basic looking school, but the exteriors I liked quite a bit. There's a um, uh, a charm to how run down the town is, the houses and everything. I don't know. The, the film, while it's not one of Vinegar Syndrome's best-looking films in terms of what they put out, it is cleaned up quite a bit, and the way the foliage pops is really pleasing. The, the terrible 80s outfits are, are great. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's this, there's this great charm to the film. That's, for lack of a better term, all I can describe. And it's also one of the few films I can think of where there's... A death right at the beginning of the film where someone gets stabbed in the junk so that's kind of cool um yeah it's it's not my favorite of the slasher films but it's my goal to much like um a friend of the show brennan klein it's i'd like to see all of them one day but uh, in terms of special features they're newly scanned and restored in 2k from its 16 millimeter original camera negative there's a commentary track of director Richard Haynes, Richard W. Haynes. Um, I've listened to a little bit of it. It's it's okay. I personally think he's a little dry. Uh, there's a commentary with the the podcast group. The hysteria continues. There's just a lot of fun to listen to. They come in with some interesting information. Uh, I like listening to the hysteria continues, guys. Um, I like her idea of teaching. I'm sorry. I'm very I'm a very big defender of this character because we all know what ends up happening. But. Um, you know, she's trying to not just be boring and just stick to the bookwork and actually do something like some of the bookwork, but then um, trying to do some modern issues as well. I think it's a good idea. I think she's trying to think outside the box. But, of course, the boss here doesn't like that idea. Mm, do you think her parents were worried about her taking a job at this school? I would have been. It's yes. like, okay, you're going to take this job, and the, there was a teacher that was slaughtered here. Um, the killer was never caught. So, yeah, I don't know if I uh, would have taken the job, to be honest. And especially if I did take the job the first day with those students, I'd be like, no, I'm sorry, I quit. Well, I, know worth it. Yeah. I, I know we've moved on, but Jim Martin would have been r about the right age. So now I'm curious if he really is in this movie. Mm, intrigued. Intriguing. Yes. So, yes. Uh, but the school location here is Mercy College uh, in New York. And do you know who their most famous uh, attendee is? 
in real life? Father Perkins? <laughs> no, no, even more famous than Mark, Father Perkins. It's Mark Zuckerberg, him of Facebook. Oh. Ah. He went to, in the late 90s, he studied um, computer programming there whilst he was still a high school student. But of course, he went on to, to um, university in Harvard. So he went even higher than Mercy College. Uh, the director Richard had mentioned about um, when they were filming, they were going to film in the spring. It was going to be during uh, spring break, and they were originally going to have two weeks to film all the interiors there. And then right before the shoot, it was like, oh, well, actually, you just have one week. So they worked basically around the clock. Uh, several crew members actually slept at the school. And he said that it, when it was time uh, for classes to come back, when the classes were coming back, they were still like cleaning up all the fake blood and stuff. Yeah, I, can't, I can't, they're more of a commentary track I'd play in the background. But hey, if anyone out there from a DVD or Blu-ray label is listening, let me be your hysteria continues. I'll come on and talk about whatever movie you'd like me to. I'll research it. Me and Nick will will give you a really nice commentary track, much like the guys from the Hysteria Continues. There's an otter, otter. There's an audio interview with composer Richard. Well, sorry, audio interview with composer Christopher Burke. I listened to a little bit of this. I'm not. It's something that I need to play in the background. I can't just sit on my couch and just listen to an audio interview. Um, I've done that. I've done that one time all the way through, and that was for um, a Silent Night, Deadly Night interview. Um, but if that was a podcast, I'm sure I'd be all over it. Then there's a still gallery, the theme song. Radio spots, original trailer, TV spots, reversal cover, and English SDH subtitles. Directed by Richard Haynes, Richard W. Haynes, starring Forbes Riley, Rick Randig, Dick Beale, and Kathy Lukamari. So, yeah, that's Splatter University. It's a pretty standard fare, uh, whodunit type film. Murders happening in a school that tie into a... Um, Mental Institute. It's actually a, a religious school, which kind of adds a new element to it. Not much when it comes to plot. Next, we have what I thought was going to be a slasher film. It is not, but you know, don't hold it against it. Bloody New Year. Take another sip of coffee for the working man. <clears throat> Bloody New Year. After finding themselves stranded on a remote island, a group of young friends discover that the only structure is an old hotel which seems inexplicably stuck in 1959 and, stranger still, has up Christmas and New Year's decorations despite it being the middle of summer. As the youngsters take shelter for the evening, increasingly weird events begin to occur at each of the hotel's unexpected guests meets a gruesome fate. The final feature film directed by legendary British horror filmmaker Norman J. Warren, uh, best known for Satan's Slave, Terror, and um, 
Prey, which I did review on the show and I liked quite a bit. Bloody New Year is a distinctly original hybrid of slasher, supernatural horror, and near surrealism, elevated by impressively executed and fittingly violent death sequences, along with one of the most absurd and jaw-dropping final twists present in any 80s horror film. Vinegar Syndrome is pleased to offer this prime cut of mind-bending horror on Blu-ray, restored from what is believed to be the only surviving film elements. It started as a day out, a trip that held the promise of fun and pleasure. But for Rick and his friends, the fun ended early when they landed on Grand Island. Who dare face a horrifying and bloody new year? Attacked by the dead, threatened by evil, chased by the unknown, terrorized by monsters. Six ninety-four minutes in color, one eight five one widescreen DTS HD mono. Um, I believe this one is also forty-eight kilohertz. So I'm to- I'm torn on Bloody New Year. So Bloody New Year is a B movie, um, obviously. Um, they they talk about sorry I didn't mean to bump the mic. They talk about the how these these kids wind up on a stranded remote island. They're they're actually at like a, a fun park in England. And they're getting themselves into trouble, and they end up pissing off these these greasers who come to who want to beat the shit out of them. And they end up getting away, and they jump on a boat, and they get lost, and they get stuck on this island. Which the, the film is interesting because it gives me some 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 vibes from The Shining, a little bit with how the hotel is filmed and how it's still stuck in um, stuck in the past. Um, it gives me vibes of Evil Dead in terms of its gore and some of its makeup effects and how it how it presents itself. Um, sometimes it tries to be a slasher film, sometimes it tries to be a supernatural film. It's a really mixed bag. And I wouldn't say I disliked the film. I actually think I liked the film quite a bit. It just wasn't what I was expecting. Even in even with the description, how it was written, like it, it pretty much told me that it's going to be a a mixed bag of tones but i still wasn't expecting it um 
So the setting is really interesting. It's at a hotel, and it's 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 set in a Christmas time period. The film begins with a a New Year's Eve party, and um, some mysterious circumstances and how everyone disappears. So when the kids finally wind up at the island, they um, they kind of get tied into. They start seeing all these weird apparitions and ghosts i guess would be the best way to describe it and you start assuming like at first they're assuming that there's people actually still on this island they just keep missing them but things get more and more weird um there there's a great scene in a, once again in a movie theater where some uh, apparitions come out of the screen done on a very low budget but that doesn't mean that doesn't matter anything there's so much creativity and inter and interesting thought process go going into this movie like some of the vibes really feels like the fog like yeah actually that'd be a good way to describe it if you take evil dead and the fog and create some english love child baby that's what this would be and um the the film very much feels like they're trying to cash in on some trends at the time and they brought in norman j warren who like i said directed prey and wow some people I know out there do not really like the film. Um, I'm not going to name them by names and embarrass them, but I thought Prey was actually quite amazing. And Norman J. Warren's um, knack for visuals and visual flair and this general surrealism that he had going throughout the film. Um, is this film? No one can argue and say this film is not wonderfully, wonderfully directed. Yeah, um... I don't really quite know what to talk about without ruining the film for you, but um, Bloody New Year, if you especially if you liked Prey, I would I, it would be a film I would say check out. Um, there's a time where it's a little it's a little slow, but there's enough crazy encounters and violent kills and just weird visuals that I think it's going to keep you going because this is definitely a film at no point could I ever think. That I or could I ever guess where the film is going? Like I said, everything from the the fifties scene at the beginning, and then these really great greaser biker guys, um, the Christmas decorations. Um, there's no rhyme or reason to the types of ghouls or ghosts or specters or whatever you want to call them that we get throughout the film. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of kids exploring around and then wind and then winding up you know finding their death but that's not necessarily a bad thing i feel like that's that's a common it's a common trait that happens in a lot of these films but uh, from a little bit of research i've done it seems that apparently the the original camera negative for the f- film was was destroyed so there's not much they could do and the film i think actually looks really good um there's a little bit of um I noticed some wear and tear throughout. I think I noticed some specks on the lens, probably a little bit of tape residue and things like that. Um, I think at the beginning of the film, they even do bring up a dis- a thing, um, sorry, a thing like a, a, a disclaimer saying that there is some damage, there is some warping, there's some staining, there's a little bit of, there. it's not perfect, but the film still really pops. Like that's one thing that Vinegar Syndrome continually impressed me with, the way their colors pop, they make these films look beautiful. Um, and I actually really liked the score on this film. And even though the soundtrack's in mono, I feel like it the the score really sings through. But never, um, I never lose anything. 
The only other thing I really want to mention before we start getting into the special features and whatnot is just how great the theme song in this film is. Um, yeah, I'm going to play a little bit of that theme song for you now because it is awesome. It's truly great. <laughs> of special features is a little light um so special features include newly scanned and restored in 2k from 35 mil- millimeter archival elements a commentary track of director norman j warren uh reversible co- which i have not listened to uh reversible cover artwork and english subtitles uh it's directed by norman j warren starring Susie eikinson nikki brooks daniel james and mark powley so not a whole lot on here but the movie i def i definitely think is is worth it um, it's out of my stack. It's one that I would really recommend. Next, we have Uninvited. At a secluded biochemical lab, which runs cruel tests on animals, a seemingly innocent-looking cat has just escaped. But beneath its furry exterior, a terrifying monster has been seated, emerging to brutally maim and kill anyone it finds threatening. Discovered by a group of teenage spring breakers and brought aboard a luxury yacht bound for the Cayman Islands, the cuddly fluff ball quickly begins gnawing away at the ship's guests and crew. But to make matters even worse, it's soon revealed that the cruise's host, a renowned multimillionaire, is in fact on the run from the law and won't return the boat to shore. Killer mutant cat be damned! A mind-boggling piece of late 80s horror weirdness mixing lo-fi creature effects, explosive gore, crime thrower subplots, and a fairly logical cat monster. Graydon Clark, Graydon Clarks, who directed Joystick, Uninvited, stars George Kennedy uh, from Death Ship, Alex Cord from The Dead Are Alive, and legendary character actor Clue Gulliger from Return of the Living Dead and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Vinegar Syndrome proudly brings this video store classic to Blu-ray, newly restored in 4K from its 35mm camera negative, and includes a previously unreleased international cut, which features exclusive footage, including an alternate ending. Cats have nine lives. You have only one. A poisonous cat. Now, how's that possible? <laughs> You're gonna be richer than your wildest dreams. 
Nothing's gonna keep me from getting to the Caymans. Are you scared of a little cat? Yeah, you're damn right I am. You see it? I got the poison in my blood! Now start the engine and get us headed for the Caymans. Oh my god! You mean they actually poisoned that poor cat and now it's dangerous to all of us? What are you laughing at? You're gonna die! Uninvited, starring George Kennedy and Alex Cord. You'll never look at a cat in the same way again. At one point, I was trying to decide which Vinegar Syndrome movie I wanted to watch. And everyone, everyone on the various Vinegar Syndrome pages were recommending I watch Uninvited. So... Um, I did, and let me tell you, one, I think it'd be, uh, it'd work amazing as a double feature with Captain Marvel, um, because of the whole cat theme, um, and the cat actually looks kind of similar to Goose in that movie, which is kind of adorable. Uninvited is, I have got a love-hate relationship with creature attack films, there's some I really like, like, I love Grizzly, I love Jaws, um, yeah, a killer cat. It doesn't really do it for me, but, you know, whatever. I was able to look past that. Um, but then bottle movies are also hit or miss with me. But movies on a boat, I just generally don't really get behind. Maybe it's bad memories of working on a movie that we sh when we shut in the water. But, yeah, I don't know. Funny enough, the film felt very... It felt more. It felt very '90s, considering it was shot in the '80s. Like just the luxury yacht, the stuck-up yuppie kids. I guess those are technically more themes of the '80s, but for some reason, I have a weird association with the '90s. Um. Yeah. So the, these these kids and the, these girls have got no place to go. They end up meeting this guy named Walter Graham, who played by Alex Cox, who convinced them to come on his luxury cruise with him. They invite these boys. They all end up on the cruise. Um, but we find out that our lead villain is trying to get to the Cayman Islands because he's got some money stored there, uh, and he has to get there bef by like I think it's in by before the weekend's over because if he doesn't, his um the cops will catch him and he'll be a criminal. So, but so it's 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 a it's a kind of a I personally think kind of a dumb plot. No offense to Graydon Clark who who um wrote the film, but. Um, but I guess what makes it interesting is the fact that this mutant cat comes on board and starts killing people and he opens his mouth and this weird mutant creature ends up coming out and murdering everyone. The, the, the puppet effects are surprisingly pretty decent at times. Other times it's not as good, but you know, low budget. I'm, I'm willing to forgive it. Um, like, so the, the killer cat effects are shockingly good. The, the mono soundtrack is 96 kilohertz. So if any of you audiophiles are out there, this movie sounds surprisingly good. Fantastic colors, especially the reds. 
Um, there is some amazingly cheesy music throughout the film. Uh, I'm going to play a little beat for you coming up now that I just, I was almost like rolling my eyes out of my head because it just kind of ruined the tone for me, but it's so, it's super fun. But I love that the actors are all trying really hard, especially Alex Co- uh, Alex Cox, or sorry, Alex Cord, who plays the main villain. He's chewing the scenery, but he's also so legitimate and charming that even though he's a piece of shit throughout the film, I love... I loved this time period where actors would come in and even if they didn't like the material, would still come in and and try. You ain't handling this right. She ain't gonna buy it. Our little lady captain is gonna jump at it. Looks like Albert fell overboard last night. What? Are you sure? We've looked everywhere. That's just awful. Well, I have to notify the authorities, and then we have to go back and look for him. Backtrack? you got to be kidding. We can't be going back. Well, I'm afraid that can't be helped, considering the circumstances. I hadn't planned on telling you this until we arrived at port. You see, if we make my deadline, let's just say I'll be a very rich man. And among other things, I won't be needing this boat anymore. Transfer of ownership papers? In your name. All legit, and at a price you can manage. That is, if you think you can get your charter business going again. I'm not trading a man's life for a boat. Well, that's very commendable. No matter what you may think of me, I wouldn't either. Mike, tell her. Well, it, it doesn't make sense. We can't be spending all those days with the authorities, wasting their time, wasting their money, risking their lives for a body that they ain't gonna find. You can't be certain of that. Yes, I can. Albert couldn't swim. Is that true? I'm afraid so. It's a shame about Albert. I liked him. Yeah, well, he's shark bait now. All right, make up your mind, Rachel. Do you want the yacht or not? I'll have to make a record of my log. Well, of course. I would expect no less. The film had some elements that kind of reminded me of what would come later with Eli Roth's Cabin Fever, where they're all kind of, because apparently this cat also can poison them. So if he breaks the skin or touches your food or whatever, you can get really sick and then die from the inside, which feels very much like Cabin Fever. So there becomes this, this almost later on in the film, this blood test type scene where they're trying to figure out if, um one person who was murdered if his blood was infected and they have to use a navigation sextant from the boat with a, with a they macgyver a navigation sextant up from the boat with a bunch of of um screen um sorry magnifying glasses so they can zoom in and it's just it's the it's it's so macgyvery and great that i kind of love it there's also this fantastic scene in the movie where this guy there these two people are making love and this guy who's had a shoulder injury through the entire movie, he can't feel his arm, and but him and this girl start making love, and then there's a great reveal of the cat eating his hand, but, but he couldn't feel it because his arm's numb. So there are some great, um, mo- uh, some great moments. There's a general state of unraveling as they're stuck on this boat. Uh, the score at times felt very Friday the Thirteenth knockoff. Um, but you know what? It's it's fun. It's not a movie I don't know if I'll go back to often. 
but I didn't hate watching it. I had a lot of fun with it, and I was like, you know, I'm glad I saw it. But Uninvited wasn't for me. But if you love if you love animal attack films, if you love bottle films, or you love movies on boats, the Uninvited is for you. Um, the irony of me not really liking movies on boats is the fact that I love Jason Takes Manhattan, which most of that movie takes place on a boat. Yeah, some a little a little bit of irony for you. Uh, special features on this. Uh, newly scanned and, and restored in 4K from its 35mm original camera negative. Commentary track with director Richard Graydon, or sorry, Graydon Clark. I don't know where I got Richard from. From director Graydon Clark. Whenever I needed a song sung in any of my films that had no particular meaning to the plot, I always chose the Battle Hymn of the Republic for one simple reason. I knew it was in the public domain and uh, would not have to pay for its use. Clue Gulliger plays a great drunk. I particularly liked the way he looked around to decide which way to exit the previous scene. I wanted him to go camera right. He agreed that, but then he suggested that he start going the wrong direction, turn around, and go the right direction. Very nice. Clue deserves his long and distinguished career. This was filmed night for night with the camera being on the dock. And I was up on the deck closer to the actor just off camera watching my video assist monitor. A director's video assist monitor is a fantastic tool which enables a director to see exactly what is being shot. I did not have video assist on my first eight films I directed. When I finally got video assist it was wonderful. I once heard the great John Huston, who used a video assist for the first time after directing more than 40 films, say that he didn't know how he ever made a picture without it. Clue drinking grape juice, having some drunken fun. He hasn't learned it's not a good idea to uh, piss off this particular cat. I listened to about 30 minutes of the commentary. It's it's no it's okay. It's very it, he, he I just don't think Graydon Clark's very interesting to listen to. There's some great information that he gives and it's fun listening to him talk about how he made the film, but wasn't for me. Alternate international edit which I have not listened which I have not watched yet. So maybe I will watch this movie again cuz I'd love to see the international edit. Maybe I will like that one more. That darn mutant cat interview of cinematographer Nicholas von Sternberg. Uh this was actually kind of a fun little interview. Um, maybe actually, I think I would have liked the commentary track more if it was this guy who was a little, who was entertaining along with Graydon Clark, kind of using him as a sounding board. I feel like two man commentaries where you got someone moderating a little bit or or at least going off of each other, I think are a lot more fun. And he does uh, tell a couple corny jokes, which I enjoy. Um, original theatrical trailer, reversible cover artwork, and some English subtitles. So the film was directed by Graydon Clark, starring George Kennedy, Alex Kord, Clue Gulliger, Tony Hudson, Claire, and Claire Carey. Next up on the list is The Suckling. After being tricked into having an abortion at Big Mama's underground abortion clinic slash brothel, you heard me correctly, a young woman's extracted fetus is flushed into the sewer system wherein... It's exposed to toxic waste and begins to mutate into an ever-growing and increasingly bloodthirsty monster. The girls, Johns, and other assorted weirdos find themselves trapped inside the brothel where they are forced to face off against the agitated, prenatal creature as well as each other in a high-stakes quest to stay alive 
or at least in one piece. An offbeat and gleefully violent monster horror comedy from one-time director Francis Terry, the suckling blends gratuitous gore, nonchalant TNA, and a sly side helping of of social commentary, resulting in distinctive 80s horror indie gem. Vinegar Syndrome presents this direct-to-video favorite on Blu-ray in the U.S. for the first time in a brand new 2K restoration made from its original 16mm camera negative. Meet Mommy and Daddy. I told you. I won't tell anyone that you're the father. Mommy's little mutant terror. The suckling. What is going on? We're locked in. Yes, trapped in a bordello, Mommy and Daddy must try and survive their wayward offspring. For nail-biting action and suspense, see the suckling. The suckling. So, the suckling, I fucking love the suckling. Me and my wife Amanda both did. And everyone I read the description of the suckling too wants to see it. But, um, there's actually, I, I, I use Letterboxd a lot. And there's a review for The Suckling that I would like to read to you. Because I think it describes everything I want to say about The Suckling. Imagine if Alien took place... Sorry, real quick. This review is from a member named Ian West. So, he's a writer at GhastlyGrinning.com. And he's a contributor at That'sNotCurrent.com. He likes horror movies and other cool stuff. So... Once again, Ian West of GhastlyGrinning.com, and that's not current.com. So, I'm going to read his review, and then I'll, I'll talk about it afterwards. So, Ian said, Imagine if Alien took place at a shitty brothel that moonlights as a bootleg abortion house in New York, but with zero budget, tons of ambition, and dildos. After a couple gets a back alley abortion at a brothel, <laughs> I still love that, comp- that that concept. The fetus is flushed down the pooper and into the sewer where it meets up with some toxic sludge and transforms into a mutant beast, complete with fucking hooked talons for hands and a predatory umbilical cord. Stalking the customer's employees of the local abortion sex house, the mutant death baby envelops the house in an enormous placenta and slaughters the inhabitants one by one as they try to find a way out. Honestly, I live for this shit. The suckling is a low-budget scuzz and manages to accomplish a little with, sorry, manages to accomplish a lot with very little, which I admire quite a bit. It's scuzzy, claustrophobic, stringy mess of repulsiveness, and I love when shitty people get trapped in a house and have to figure out how to survive, especially when the house becomes a womb and the people become increasingly shittier. Edit. 
I hope my enthusiasm doesn't, doesn't set the bar too high for this. After all, it is trash. Just the kind of trash I'd roll around in all day. So, Ian West said it fantastic. Um, <clears throat> he did describe it to Alien, which is a, <laughs> it's a very apt description. Um, I kept describing it to that of Night of the Living Dead, where it's people who are kind of stuck together, who don't really like each other, but need to survive. That's what the suckling reminded me of. It's like, so take Alien, Night of the Living Dead, and possibly the Toxic Avenger. Um, I was really surprised to read the description and find out Lloyd Kaufman had nothing to do with this film. Things getting things getting flushed on the toilet, abortion, uh, 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 underground abortion clinic slash brothel, toxic waste. This has got Lloyd Kaufman written all over it. But as much as I love Uncle Lloyd, he's been a huge inspiration to me and a big help in my career. This has got a way bigger budget than Lloyd Kaufman ever did. The movie looks great. The effects are really fucking good. Um, not much of a story. Like I said, it's, it's much like Uninvited. It's a bottle film. It takes place in this brothel, which is cool. Like, I don't know. I, I'm much better with films that take place in a house than films that take place on a boat. Um, yeah, I really like this film. Like I said, the effects are fantastic. I really wish uh, Francis Terry would have made another film. There's... I, the film's got social commentary. I don't know if the film is pro-abortion or anti-abortion, but regardless, if you're going to make a film on one way or the other, might as well make it entertaining. Um, we're not going to get into the topic of abortion on this show, but, you know, more power to Francis Terry. So, a couple of things I really liked about this film. Like I said, not only the... the um, the score, or sorry, not only were the effects, um, I thought it had a real, really nice sound design. The acting was all really charming. Was it any of it really good? No. But a movie called The Suckling, which has an alternate title of Sewage Baby, I don't think you really expect to have a really good, you know, have a lot of good acting. Um, but people keep referring to this movie as the best worst movie. I don't think that's case at all i actually think this movie is legitimately well made just because a movie is bonkers over the top and kind of stupid in terms of plot doesn't mean it's a best worst movie i've always hated the idea of so bad it's good tell me in this movie what's not what's what's bad about this movie yeah sure is the plot line a little goofy sure but is it bad no is the acting is the acting not great yeah sure but is it not it's not necessarily bad I felt like everyone involved in this film, Francis Terry included, knew what they were doing. Um, so, own up to it. I fucking loved this movie. I think this movie is great. I don't think it's... I don't think you need to quantify the reason you like it. It's like, oh, it's... You know... Just because you like Citizen Kane doesn't mean you can't like The Suckling. They're on... I think every... Every film needs to be on its own rating scale. You know, if Citizen Kane, you can have Citizen Kane be a five-star movie, but you can also have The Suckling be a five-star movie. Are you saying that Citizen Kane and The Suckling are on the same level? Not necessarily, but I think every movie needs to be at its own level. Because if you make the, one movie be the creme de la creme, then how the hell is anyone anything else going to live up to it? So, sorry, my rant is over. Um, I personally really liked this movie. Uh, I feel like this movie I'm going to come back to quite a bit. Um, and it does so much with so little, as Ian West said. So, you know what? The Suckling, as of, uh, actually, The Suckling is my pick of the episode. I think everyone should go out there and buy a copy of The Suckling. 
Plus, it's fun to say, the suckling. But anyway, special features include a newly scanned and it's newly scanned and restored in 2K from its 16mm original camera negative, video interview with writer-director Francis Terry, video interview with Michael Gingold, writer at Fangoria and Rumorg, who and he played the the suckling character in it in the bodysuit. I was attending New York University Film School in early 1988, and one day I got a call from a friend of mine who was also attending the school, and he said that he was working on a low-budget horror film called The Suckling, and uh, they needed someone to play the creature. Uh, actually, they, they had one person who was already set to play the creature, and they had created a creature suit for him to wear, but he had a day job and he couldn't do it on weekdays, and since I was on a college schedule, he thought that maybe I could uh, take over for the weekdays when this other guy wasn't available. So I said, that sounded great. Um, I had done uh, a couple of other horror films before that. Um, I was an extra in Troma's War. I was a couple of dead bodies lying around a battlefield. Uh, I had appeared as an extra in the background of some scenes in Toxic Avenger Part 2 and 3. And um, I'd been a PA on reshoots for Larry Cohen's Return to Salem's Lot when they shot uh, pickups for that in Central Park. And in that, uh, they needed somebody, well, they needed two people to be monster hands that reached from either side of the camera and grabbed a couple of uh, guy and a girl's face and messed them up. And so I was the hand that came out the right side of the frame and grabbed this girl and messed up her face. Uh, that was Larry Cohen's daughter, in fact. But this was the first time anyone had asked me to play a creature, so I was like, this is, it sounds great, sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, what kind of creature is it? And there was this kind of pause at the other end of the line, and I said, look, you know, I'm going to find this out at some point, so you might as well tell me now. And he described the plot to me, and I was like, my first question was, is this a trauma film? Because at the time, they were kind of going through their toxic waste cycle of the Toxic Avenger films and Class of Newcomb High. Uh, but they said, no, it's not a trauma film. It's uh, being done independently. So I said, great, that, that sounds cool. Let's do it. Um, archival image gallery, reversible cover artwork, and English subtitles. Directed by Francis Terry, starring Frank Rivera, uh, Marie Michaels, Gerard Prager, Lisa Petruno, Janet Sylvie, and Antoinette Green. So, the suckling. So, last up, I've got Body Melt. Residents of the placid suburban cul-de-sac of Pebbles Court have started receiving unexpected samples of a new and experimental vitamin manufactured by a strange health spa named Vimuville. However, shortly after adding the mysterious green powder to their diets, Users begin to experience strange and increasingly macabre visions, and worse, their bodies start to mutate, ooze, and eventually melt, as visits from the coroner to the sleepy streets become a nearly daily experience. Detective Sam Phillips becomes increasingly suspicious of the goings-on at Vimuville, but will he be able to uncover its diabolical motives before the whole of Australia is subjected to a body melt? Writer, director, composer Philip Brophy's notorious slime-filled cult classic Body Melt remains one of the last great Ozploitation films. Packed with gross-out gore effects, biting black comedy, and a throbbing techno-esque score, Vinegar Syndrome proudly presents Body Melt on Blu-ray for the first time in North America and in an all-new 2K restoration sourced from the original 16mm camera negative. Welcome. To Terra's new dead end. The first phase is hallucinogenic. The second phase is glandular. The third phase is. 
body melt. He was one healthy dude. Unnaturally healthy. Now I'm talking new drugs here, right? I'm talking 90s, man. Cognition enhancers. Designed to take your mind into new intra-phenomenological dimensions. In Sleepy Pebbles Court, something deadly is happening. Oh, that dude. Target number one. One by one. Move both family. They're dying. Now this will not be in the organ too. Be prepared. Cheryl and Brian Rand are in pregnancy. Because nothing can prepare you for the horror. Up until their birth, babies are the ultimate parasite. The madness. Something is wrong. The fury. What is this? A new age of human potential has dawned. Body melt. Pray they don't visit your street. Done any good drugs, wait. This movie was great. I liked Body Melt a lot. I might have liked The Suckling more. Um, it's hard to say. But um, no, this movie was a great surprise for me because I was not expecting to have so much fun with it. Um, but so a couple, like, I guess let's talk in terms of story. The, the film, as they said, is about this company that's making a new body drug that's going to help you become more healthy and that you're going to live a better life and all this. And it's pretty much people taking the drug uh, or sorry, taking the powder or the substance or whatnot and then their repercussions. The company, the actual organization of Immuville, they're trying to figure out what's causing this and want to stop it from happening because they're essentially they're losing customers um there's a lot of weird it's it's apparently from what i've read the film was supposed to be an anthology film which makes sense because there's so many subplots in this film that's why it's kind of hard to talk about there's not really a main character there's sam phillips who's trying to catch the who's trying to figure out what's causing this and then each person who took the who've taken the the drug i guess for lack of a term have are having their own issues um so and they all kind of coalesce at the end with some great level of body melting. Tonally, the film actually reminds me a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, which I appreciate quite a bit. Um, just in terms of its absurd, it's how uh, uh, over the top and absurd it is. Um, it kind of reminds me of Larry Cohen's The Stuff. And yeah, actually, in, um, I don't know much about um, Philip Brophy. I know he's a musician from Australia, um, but he got a chance to make this film and. I feel like um, David Cronenberg would watch this film and be like, that's some good-ass body horror right there. Because that's what this film was. It was a lot of great body horror, and there was no real suspense or scares. It was just, you know, beat per... It was just... movie kept moving with great music and great visuals, and it was a cacophony of things going on. And it was gross, and it was fun, and it was just insane. So, yeah, body melts was a movie I knew nothing about, but I'm glad I got a chance to watch it. And not only does the movie look great, like the 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 what is it what do I want to call it? The transfer I think looks fantastic. 
Uh, I would not have guessed this movie is shot in 16mm because I think it looks really nice. It's very stylish. The movie sounds great. It's got a 5.1 surround sound mix. That's insane. Vinegar Syndrome doesn't usually do that very often. Well, granted, they're subject to what they've got on, what they can find, what they can get in terms of, of elements, but it had a very pleasing sound mix, just the way everything moved. If you've got a nice sound system, check it out, man. You're going to really love the way this movie sounds. I personally think this is the type of movie I'd put on to as a reference disc for people. You know, people like to choose big movies like The Avengers or Godzilla or something. I'd show this just because I like the way that sound moves. It's very atmospheric. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm a sucker for a lot of these these Australian exploitation films. Um, but in terms of special features, it's packed, man. Newly scanned and restored in 2K from its 16mm original camera negative. It's got a group commentary track, which I still want to listen to, with Philip Brophy, who is the writer, director, and composer, Rod Bishop, who is the writer and producer, and Daniel Scar- Scharf, who's a producer. Then there's also a commentary track, which this one is actually what I'm more interested in because Philip Brophy is a musician first and foremost. Commentary track of Philip Brophy, but he's focused on just the sound design and film score, which I think fascinates me. Um, the best thing, though, that uh, saved my ass on all of this is that the bulk of the special sound effects were all done on a Ensonic ASR-10 sampling workstation, as well as um, all the music was done on the same workstation. And I was able to retrieve all the original um, files, which were on zip disks, and re-edit them within the workstation to reconstruct the sounds in a full quadraphonic mix. These quadraphonic passes of both all the music tracks and cues and then also all the special sound effects, such as all the bodies blowing up and doing all strange things like that, they were then digitized and then blended in with a multi-track that contained the LTRT passes. So that's what you're hearing on this um, 5.1 mix. Um, It's an attempt to recreate the optimum cinema viewing experience sound-wise that was in the original film when it was theatrically projected on 35mm in the early 90s. And the only difference really being just kind of opening up the rear spectrum, the rear spatial domain. I'm a little worried about the group commentary track because, uh, well, I think it's going to be mostly about how they got the film made, which it's not that I don't find it fascinating, and I'll explain why I think that in a second, but I think I'm more interested in his technical track. Um, Melting Away, The Deconstruction of Body Melt, a 2018 featurette with Phil Brophy and Rod Bishop. The reason I think that commentary track might be a little dry is because while this featurette was interesting, it was a little dry because they spent the, they spent, they spent a lot of time talking about how the script came to be, which I thought was kind of interesting, but it spent a lot of time on funding and how they got the Australian Film Board behind it. and They talked about everything. And maybe it was just the the mindset I was in that night, but I just didn't find myself um, too into that and too into the featurette. I think 
it's I think it's I'm great I'm glad it's on there I think there's gonna be a lot of people who are gonna love it just for me personally it didn't get my didn't get really get into it and then there was another one called bodybuilding the making of body melt 2018 interview with the producer Daniel Scharf uh adrenal glands 2018 interview with actor Neil Foley making bodies melt the making of body melt this was behind the uh this was a a making a featurette that was made on the film I started watching I want to finish it it's a lot of behind-the-scenes footage, which I appreciate. It looks like it was shot on the set. You're kind of a fly in the wall, and you get to see how some of this stuff is executed, which I really appreciate. There's exclusive behind-the-scenes stills and prop gallery, complete storyboard gallery, original theatrical uh, trailer, reversible cover artwork, and English subtitles. Body Melt and The Suckling, I guess, would be my picks of picks of the episode. Once again, guys, thank you very much for listening to podcast i am michael virus of the shameless picture show and this is my vinegar syndrome episode give them give them a shout out guys go to www.vinegarsyndrome.com and look at what they've got going on right now they will they currently have their um they are prepping for their halfway to black friday sale which is going to be may 24th through the 27th um if you've never bought anything from them from their halfway to black friday sale it's a huge deal um, not only are they touting this, this will be the, their biggest halfway to Black Friday sale yet. Um, this is a great time to pick up some titles because uh, 50%, it, there's going to be 50% off, off nearly everything that they've got, um, which is a huge fucking deal, guys. There's going to be two secret limited edition titles, which will be unveiled um, during the event. But um, they've always been really cool, so a lot of people will just blind pre-order them to make sure they get themselves a copy. Um, the legendary halfway package, which is going to have, you know, obviously all uh, all the secret titles um, and a couple other fun things. And, um, yeah, this is a great time. Vinegar Syndrome always has great stuff going on for their... Not only their halfway to Black Friday sale, but then their actual Black Friday sale. So if you've ever, if you're sleeping on these titles that I've been talking about, guys, now is the time to do it. Go there, buy some stuff, and more than anything, email them and let them know that you picked up Body Melt or The Suckling or Graduation Day or Psychos in Love or Psycho Cop Returns or any of the amazing movies that I've talked about in this film. Let them know you heard about them through me, so that way they know that hey. My show's getting traction. They like to know that their sponsors are helping them. And I'd like to think I'm helping them, guys. So come on. Do me a favor. Do them a favor. Go buy some stuff and let them know what Michael Vyers of the Shame West Picture Show sent you, partner. I don't know why I went into Jack Burton in there. But whatever. Thanks for listening, guys. As always, rate, review, subscribe. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Shameless Picture Show, all one word. And I am at at Michael underscore Vyers. Nick, who's not on the episode today, is at a word worth 1,000 picks. Um, we're out there, guys. And once again, please rate, review, subscribe, and visit our sponsors at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Thanks for listening. And if you're not down with that, I've got two words for you. Watch movies. <laughs>